So, do you know what dragons and crows have in common? You don't want either of them to shit on your car. I'm Noah <laughs> Jansen. I'm Eliza Jansen. And this is Twin Picks. Gosh, I love movies. Before we kick things off today, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which myself and Anthony are now recording, the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nations, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And over here in California, I would like to pay my respects to the Elders past, present and emerging of the Paiute Indian tribe, the land which I'm currently recording on. Hello and welcome to Twin Picks, the show where a pair of twins and me talk about two movies that share some kind of similarity and then decide which one does its job better. But today we are missing a twin. Today it is a a brother and a sister, but alas, not not twins, as Meg (laughs) is off, as, as usual, being an academic Doing yeah, real things think, that fix the world. In general, I think she doesn't really care for like um, martial arts movies or whatever. Though, like she, she was doesn't. Like, I'm good. Like you guys. It's go true. <laughs> it's true. Before we get into how keen I am for these movies, we must address that Max, uh, Eliza's boyfriend, Max, essentially like works in the writers' room for this show now, and. Whenever, so you know how we we fell it like dear listener. We the always highlight have the highlight of the episode. The highlight of the episode is always the Our the zinger, joke at the, the start zinger of the at the top, and we usually get to like twenty seconds before recording and don't know what it's going to be. And We're like, oh, what, Max, what deranged brainworms bullshit should we just quickly say before we start talking about movies? <laughs> like, we need to be like something absolutely crazy, and Max <laughs> always comes through. Uh, especially with one like this where we were both like, how do we make a joke about this pairing? It's quite a tragic pairing. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a difficult one. Um, as as you said, Liz, we, you know, Meg isn't super into the action movies or the martial arts ones or something, so we've been waiting for one where, mm-hmm. you know, Meg wouldn't be able to pop in so I could finally rip in two, Gosh, Enter the Dragon gone. and The Crow, which has... Uh, you know, what? like I really love these movies as well as the fact that I think this is kind of a pairing that the podcast is made for. They, mm. The pairing here is more of a behind-the-scenes one and it's tragic. So both of these movies star a Lee, either Bruce Lee or Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee His being son. Brandon Lee's father. Um, and Bruce Lee is Brandon Lee's father, actually. What do you mean, his son? No, I said his son. I said, never mind. I know, I know Brandon Lee is the son of Bruce you know, Lee. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. worry. Sorry. Don't you worry about me. I know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and very tragically, both of these movies were enormous hits and star-launching vehicles in the American uh, industry, at least. Uh, but the stars were not alive when the film was successful. Uh, Mm. So 
if you're okay with it, Liz, I think with both of these movies, as well as talking about them, there'll be a little bit of like history of what that was, what happened. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm interested to hear before we start, Liz, I didn't realize you hadn't seen either of these films before. Was it a I pleasurable know. experience for you? Did you in just up top? Did you like them both? Um, yeah, I would say I definitely preferred one over the other. Like, yeah. you might be able to change my mind over the next hour or so, but I I feel uh, pretty strongly that I preferred one of them. But they were both yeah, just worth watching, absolutely. And like, it was yeah. so like I know Bruce Lee is like a minor obsession of yours this year, Noah. Yeah, and yeah. I completely see like how you could fall down a wormhole of reading about this father and son. Mm. Like, mm. I was like you know, going from Wikipedia to everywhere else, reading about, like, just the freakish, like, coincidences between Brandon Lee and, like, the character and even the creator of the Crow comic book. Like, it's so weird. It oh, really is, like, one of those one of those really baffling. cursed Hollywood stories where you're it like, really this is. feels supernatural. It absolutely is. I truly am so excited to get into it because it's also one of those news stories that, like, people who don't know that much about movies, everyone has an idea of... The, yeah, it's like especially the crow one it's a bit of an point. urban legend one so i'm really excited to get into it and also therefore to talk about whether the legacy of these films is a bit tarnished by you know yeah. the behind the scenes drama or whether they are both deserving of the reception they've got mm. yeah are we ready to go do you want to go chronologically do you want to kick it off with end of the dragon or are yeah, you that, keen to let's yeah. let's kick it off with bruce let's do it let's enter the dragon ew <laughs> <laughs> we're going in voice <laughs> disgusting <laughs> Okay, so Enter the Dragon is a 1973 martial arts movie directed by Robert Klaus, and it stars Bruce Lee. Uh, and I could talk to you about the plot. Essentially, it's like a James, essentially like a James Bond type deal of like this guy who's working for the American government to go inside this really exclusive martial arts tournament. Um so this film is a really interesting one. Bruce Lee, as Eliza said, huge icon of mine at the moment. I'm having a big moment with a lot of cultural movie icons. You know, I've got just got my Clint Eastwood that? tattoo. You the just other like want to go back and see like what the hype is about. <laughs> yeah, I also just think I'm really interested at the moment in particularly like masculinity in cinema and what the staples of masculinity are and what we say through being like mm. this is what a man is this is what the image of men is and what those different personalities are is really interesting to me especially what they like in the real world that's part of what I love about my Clint Eastwood one I'd love to do a Clint Eastwood movie someday because I think he's a really interesting cultural icon in the sense we'll that get like, around to it we'll do it yeah he he's a fascinating a fascinating man because obviously in real world he's a much more complicated person but Bruce Lee uh grew up in a uh, a movie family his parents were in the movies so he was in a bunch of movies as a child actor before going away and learning martial arts and becoming so incredible that he kind of created his own doctrine of martial arts that he then Jeet went Kune into Do, the industry right? yes that's true Jeet Kune Do. he made essentially five movies five martial arts movies where he was the lead really so when with a lot of these other icons where you're like oh how do we watch their films he feels a bit inaccessible with Bruce Lee there are five of them you can watch him in a day you're lazy you can watch them in a day (laughs) just have a sit down literally so he made three of them 
And then in the making of the fourth one, Game of Death, which is where he wears the iconic like yellow jumpsuit, he found out that America was like, oh, this martial arts thing is really big. We want to co-produce a film that would star Bruce Lee and would have Americans in it as well. And it'll be like us introducing Bruce Lee to America. That is Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon is about to come out and Bruce Lee passes away really suddenly. Uh, his death is so tragic. It's, um, I'll, I'll look at it a bit more specifically, but I really, it I think it's something edema, like he was right? allergic. He was allergic to like, uh, not an EpiPen, but some sort of something like that. Right. What were you saying, Liz? Yeah, it was, um, he, he had like a cerebral edema and it's like, it yes. could have been treated, but some ingredient in his painkillers, he had an allergic reaction to. Exactly. Yep. So Enter the Dragon comes out and is this enormous hit. And a lot of Americans don't even know Bruce Lee's dead. So a lot of them are like, oh, I can't wait to see his next movie. Not realizing they've just been introduced to this indelible cinema icon who only has three more films. And then if you want to go deeper into the wormhole, because they had like 20 minutes of footage from Game of Death, they were like, oh, well, how do we get this out into the world they finished game of death without him and it is the most morally repugnant <laughs> film in the world there's some real weekend they, of bernie's shit <laughs> they ha- it is fucked they have shots in the movie the funniest it's probably like the funniest thing i've ever seen in a movie where it's not a stunt double it's not his back they cut out a cardboard cutout of bruce lee's face and put it on an actor it is wild. Have you ever seen that, Liz? I haven't. I've only had you. You've it's only so told me funny. About it and said like also, they dub over his voice in it as well, right? They dub over his voice, and there is video footage of his corpse in his casket of his real oh. funeral that the family did not give permission for. It is Jesus a Christ. pretty repulsive film. It's literally like, what the fuck? How did they get cameras yeah. within the vicinity yeah, of the funeral fucked. if they were like, no, Because the funeral was an enormous, it was like a parade on the street, uh, going course. through the street. So there is that part where they're like, well, I think that's why they did it. Because they were like, well, it was in the street and stuff. And it's like, you're putting Bruce's corpse on the TV in a movie that you've advertised as this great you know, tribute to him. Anyway, the last 20 minutes where he's actually in it are uh, some of the best work he's ever done. All of which brings us to Enter the Dragon. Eliza, that big old spiel about the history of this incredible film. Do you Ow. think it lives up? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, it's a good oh. movie, yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's a good movie. It is, like, <laughs> you can tell. Like, I think... Um, even like despite the fact that it is pretty obviously, I, f- I feel like it is kind of one of those movies that it kind of threw everything at a wall. They're like, people like James Bond. Yeah, let's do that. And they're like, we need exactly, a white yeah. main character. Okay, this guy. Oh, we should get a black main character as well. This guy, this world karate champion, Jim Kelly. Let's throw him in there. That is so interesting have, like, that that's how you so see funny. that part of it. I I actually think it's surprisingly tight for something that is clearly, I don't think there's anything wrong with a movie being a product of being like, Let's get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, I don't think it's a martial arts it. movie, it, and like, it's a really effective martial fun arts movie. And engaging, exactly. But I think there is like a hokey quality to it. Um, yeah, I guess so. It definitely isn't about much more than just like what a Bond film is kind of about. Yes, but I think I don't know. I guess we do a lot of fancy movies on the podcast, of course. But at my heart, I'll always love a martial arts movie, which is pretty, yeah, you know, surface level. And this is like, and it's not, it's not re- full exploitation. Really like it's. 
above all, like you remember, it's like this is the West's introduction to Bruce Lee and it does that so well. Like he is always the most commanding thing in the movie. Totally, but don't you think that there's an element script-wise even to this that's like when we're making jokes here, they're kind of cheeky and say something about the character and like, I don't know, having seen especially a lot more martial arts this year and all of his catalogue as well, there's so many little details on this watch that I was like, this isn't a dumb film. Like it isn't dumb, stupidly put together. For example, little moments like I love the bit with they're on the boat on the way to the tournament and there's a guy who's trying to start a fight and he's yeah. like, what's your fighting style? He's like, my fighting style is not fighting. And then he tricks yeah, him like- into like getting him out of the boat. And I'm like, that is not in other Bruce Lee films. Yeah. Like it just isn't. And like It seems it's- like um, in that way, I don't, maybe you can answer this, but how much like creative control or like story control did Bruce Lee have? Because like that's his whole... Uh, martial arts philosophy like the idea of you should only fight if you absolutely have to and like stillness and pacifism are like the real another reason i love this movie because like the way that they like incorporate his kind of doctrine into it especially in the opening stuff where he talks about his philosophy we'll get back to that but Mm -hmm. to answer your question uh he actually don't know how many of them he directed but bruce lee stages all his own fights that's in this film as well and Mm. directed some of his films and wrote most of them and was like really heavily invested in the process of making all of them so it really feels like because this is a project that's based around him and his abilities even though he doesn't have a a writing credit it feels like it kind of has to be right because I kind of am keen to talk to you about the nature and the impression of Bruce Lee as an icon and a personality beyond just his fighting ability. What do you kind Mm. of get from that in this film? Yeah, I mean, what I was saying before where the movie kind of has a couple of other protagonists and they sort of fade out as the movie becomes more about the fighting tournament and Bruce Lee Mm. like really takes center stage. But I feel like they really use Bruce Lee as a point of contrast to them. Like, um, because it's sort of a Bond ripoff in some ways, um, the evil bad guy in his lair where he, like, is making opium and he's doping up white women with heroin and stuff, he has, like, multiple harems of sexy women and they go to effort to show that it's Bruce Lee film. is not interested. Yeah, but it's sexy too. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, what, what can you expect? Definitely. That's, like, how it was. Of course, um, yes. But they, they go to effort to show that the other two dudes are horny. Like, they... Yeah. pick out whichever women from the harem they like. They and want, Bruce Lee yeah. is like, no, I want to talk to her, Betty Chung, this one girl, and I need to find out who, who killed my sister, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's the main mm. plot and he is this, like, more chaste, clearly more spiritual and introspective character. And that, like, that's how I think of him, I guess. Like, I obviously will never know as much about him as you do, but... I think that really you literally try, across I, I all actually his don't movies. know that much. I just love his work so much. I think he's so cool. I um no. that's really interesting. I I, I it's not a criticism of the film, but it's interesting that this isn't my favorite Bruce Lee film actually because I don't think the character in this film suits his actual mm. personality as much as some others do in the sense that like it serves this movie perfectly. It serves this story perfectly that he is kind of just like a James Bond type. He's very honorable. Um, and I love that his philosophy is so on display as well. And like how he speaks about it as like, 
I'm so good. Like, what's his his early conversation with the fighting monk is like, the monk asks him, what level of technique do you want to achieve? And he's like, the point where I don't have any more technique. Like, or like, I want to be at the point where I don't have a technique. Like, I just exist mm. as this like fluid being, you know, that video that we both love of him being like, be the water. Become water, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this idea of him being like, I want to be so skilled at this that my body is like almost on autopilot or in this like meditative state that is so cool. And there's shots where he's doing it, dude, like and at the end where he's just They have to to slow it down. It's slowed down. He's like But there's a shot um, in like regular speed or whatever where – um, it's like basically the whole island has broken down a huge fight and in the background all of the extras who must have got paid fucking like pennies for this because this movie had a tiny budget. I'm like, these yeah. poor men, how much did they get paid to get kicked in the face by <laughs> Bruce Lee? Fucked up, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's a bit where like they're all racing around in the background and it's a long shot of Bruce Lee looking at the main baddie um, and he's completely motionless. Like it looks like some weird gif where they've um, like frozen this one character in the scene, but it's just him. Mm. And it's like, is he breathing? Is his heart beating? Like he's just staring at the bad guy and like getting ready to fight. And like, I don't think it's special effects. I think it's just that he could do that. Yeah, (laughs) literally. it looks so sick. (laughs) It's so good. So I, yeah, that's so true. I, I, I do love him obviously in this movie and I think his character is so great. But my favorite version of Bruce Lee is in Fist of Fury, which is my favourite Bruce Lee movie, because I think what makes him this indelible, iconic figure is that there's a bit of an arrogance there that's so earned. Like, I I showed my mates the other day, um, martial arts movies are just so good for when you have a group of people around. Like, they're so fun and easy to watch. We watched The Raid, and I was thinking about nice. how the lead actor in The Raid, um, Iko Uwais, he is a star, a martial arts star on the exact opposite spectrum to the way Bruce Lee is. Like he is. Where it's like, oh, he's the like beleaguered everyman guy where you're like, oh, he can't wait to get out of here. Exactly. He's like (laughs) kind and sweet and understated, which means that when he fights and is going ballistic, you're like, where did this guy come from? The best thing about Bruce Lee to me is there's an arrogance that everyone wants to challenge him because they're like, look at this dickhead. And he always wins. He always proves <laughs> them wrong. And everyone's like, actually, he was right. You know what I mean? That Yeah. There's Because this is a more like philosophical performance from him or something, it feels like oh. actually kind of a different flavor of Bruce Lee to me. Because in his other films, I think he's a more arrogant. Um, but I love that. Maybe that's yeah. like the contrast with his martial arts philosophy. Because I guess very I true. only know what I could read about him and I haven't watched as many of his movies. Yeah, um, very true. You know what's one thing that disappointed I, me while watching this movie? What? What? You know, the Hulk dude, that super beefy guy, he never fought yeah. Bruce Lee. He that is was so huge, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Oh, wow. He literally <laughs> he just is bent the a guy. Suit. <laughs> he just picks someone yeah, up and bends is, them. It oh isn't even God. that he's bending him the back. It's not even like he's bending like his chest towards the floor. You know what I mean? He's bending him like the way a firefighter would hold someone. And then he bends them like <laughs> that. Like, what the hell? Oh, my what is God. Going on? And he, like, scalps so someone, cool. I think. I don't know. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> Something I had to I ask. Would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, Noah, how do you feel about the Hall of Mirrors sequence at the end? Because I know you're not a huge fan. I was just about to bring that up. I was just about to bring that up. Okay, so I, listeners, I have a thing where every single action movie wants to do 
a Hall of Mirrors sequence. And it's so overdone now. And they make them look better and better every time. You know, even when, like, like, they for go example, into, like, a fun house and there's, like, a million mirrors and the killer and is, like, like a dude behind which everyone. one is the real me? Ooh. It's in the majority of the John Wick movies. It's in two of the three John Wick movies. It's in, like, loads of Bond movies. It's in so mm. much stuff. The lady from Shanghai this- is, like, the main example, the first yeah. use of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is... The OG, though, surely, right? Or like an early no, one. No, Lady from Shanghai. An early iteration. But yeah. When's Lady of Shanghai? When did that come it's out? It's like 40s. It's like a Rita Hayworth, like Orson Welles movie. Oh, damn. And that's like, oh, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, whereas now it's to the point where there was like that Key and Peel sketch where it's like yeah, exactly. the that hero just immediately kills the guy and he has to pretend to be a shattered mirror. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, you didn't get me. Yeah, that's so good. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, because it's obviously an earlier one, I'm like, yeah, it's great. And I think that is where Bruce Lee's, like, you know, quiet resilience is on full display and it's so awesome. Yeah. I really like mm. this movie, even though with a great martial arts movie, all they really is to say is, like, I loved it. It was so good fun. Fight. <laughs> Yeah, what stuck out to me this time, (laughs) he do stab stab, what stuck out to me this time as well was the more like you meet the different people going to the tournament, like you get like little flashbacks of them and why they're there. Some of them need money. There's like a police brutality one. Like there's all these different little like (laughs) vignette things that kind of give you like a dirty dozen vibe or something. Like, you know, not like dirty dozen, but like a team up thing that I was like, yeah, I kind of did. It really is like a martial arts tournament movie. I think that's quite fun. And it's just so tragic that he didn't get to see the fruits of his labor. God. Yeah. He didn't get to How awesome it would feel to be like rewards. we've brought we've brought this foreign doctrine and this like foreign form of art over here. And it succeeded and then, so yeah. hugely. And then it kind of flourished the way it was like, supposed to. Yeah, wasn't there like an army of like Bruce Lee alikes where like Hollywood would um, cast some guy and change his name to like Bruce Lai or like Bruce L.I. <laughs> just <laughs> Literally. Like, and it's just like straight up ripoffs to be like, hey, he's very similar. Like it's, name it's is almost Bruce, Bruce. And, he can and everyone's like, like uh, we know it's not. And it's also just like you see the influences everywhere of Bruce Lee. Like, the, like Tarantino, it's one of his top five films. I... I watched this great little, uh, like, grindhouse horror thing called Deadbeat at, Deadbeat at Dawn, and it was made by, like, a bunch of students at, like, film school, and there's randomly just a bunch of karate in it, and I watched a behind-the-scenes thing, and they were like, oh, the the director and writer and star of the movie just watched a lot of Bruce Lee growing up. So there's just like karate incorporated into this little movie. And I was like, God, <laughs> the idea of all these little boys, like all around America, just watching, being like, oh my God, Enter the Dragon. We have to go see his next film. And then it never coming out is so sad. Mm. It's so tragic. Yeah. You ready for more sadness? Literally ultimate sadness now. <laughs> this is much less fun. Enter it's oppressive. Into the sadness, truly. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, The Crow is a 1994 film 
Uh, it's kind of a like a revenge, almost superhero film, I guess, uh, directed by Alex Proyas and starring Brandon Lee in his final film appearance. Uh, it's about a guy called Eric Draven, who's like a rock like guitarist who is revived by this crow in so that he can avenge the rape and murder of his fiance. As well as and his own death. And he was also killed. He was dead incident. for like a and year. Then, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, the idea being that a crow, crows carry the souls of the dead up to heaven, but sometimes the burden of the death of the injustice that's happened is such that. The crow is like, they, nah, nah, nah. We said nah, this. I'm taking you back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this movie has pretty inarguably oh this twilight zone the movie is also pretty bad but like one of the worst most tragic on set uh stories of all time um so brandon lee uh you know growing up without without his father but wanting to be in the film industry gets a big starring role that was going to announce his you know presence um and essentially what happened is they had, I think they, it's something like they had about 10 minutes left of the movie to shoot. Like wow. they, it was at the end of the shoot, really. Uh, the scene where Eric Draven's character dies, he gets shot and falls out a window. The actor holding the gun shot him and he fell over and they were like, oh, great acting. Uh, but he had actually shot him. What happened? It is the story of how this happened is so complex it's, it's like, like a final destination going wrong yeah. it's like a rube goldberg machine thing so essentially what they used to do i probably won't describe it perfectly but i really encourage you to look it up is they used to take bullets and they would remove the actual so instead of using um blanks for this scene they had to put actual bullets in it because the gun being used was a revolver and with a revolver you can see the bullet so all they were doing was removing the primer and the things that made the bullet actually launch, but they needed to have something in the like cartridge. Like it's still a bullet, but it just doesn't have the um, powder or explosive or exactly, whatever. Exactly, right? exactly. And through some fault that uh, it's too confusing to explain now, one of them got caught in, so it was fired, and one of the bullets got caught in the barrel of the gun inside it. Then uh, they were about to shoot the scene, and the set like the safety supervisor dude went home early that day and put his like assistant or something on duty to be like oh i'm going home and told him to take over his responsibilities he didn't know that one of his responsibilities was to check the barrel of the gun before every shot and when he fired this gun the primer and stuff went off but doing that launched this bullet that had been wedged inside the barrel and it struck Brandon Lee and he died. And, and that was the um the act the actor who did act, you know, thought yeah. he was acting, killing Brandon Lee and actually An killed extra, him. That was his first role. It was his first role. And How like, shit is it that? was not a big role. He was like on set for he was not supposed to be on set that long. And he has now been implicated in killing somebody. And the extra added tragedy of this is I read the graphic novel that this is based on first. Um which I far prefer to the movie, actually. Uh, yeah. And the book, the graphic novel is written by James O'Barr, who wrote the book after the death of his girlfriend at the hands of a drunk driver. And this book is just, 
the most incredible like outpouring of pain and grief and trauma and like it has like a stream of consciousness kind of vibe in that like it goes into poetry a lot you just feel someone's grief and he speaks about being like one of the great joys was that I'd been able to bring this story to the screen and then my story caused another person to die and my my entire book the source of this entire story is about trauma and grief literally i think it yeah, is I think, like, so tragic like it does not get more tragic than that father and son both killed before they could see their great star vehicle succeed Ugh, it doesn't get worse very very weird um it's so sad. you definitely prefer the graphic novel to the film. yeah sorry we should talk about the film itself now so i actually think the movie does do a good job of transferring that kind of like poetry and kind of grief to it in the sense that I don't think this actually feels that overwrought stylistically. Like to me, it where Tim Burton stuff sometimes feels like an impersonation of something and I'm like, this feels like such a facade. This does feel like a bleak desperate world i just think in the crow the graphic novel that the the actual personal experience of somebody putting that on there's the page a rawness that comes across and the poetry is has a rawness whereas the kind of hollywood quality to this where the natural fit for this is that it becomes a revenge action movie is yeah pretty especially compared to what we have now in that there's so many things like that it is a little less memorable. Yeah, I think, well, maybe that's just inevitable where it's like when you're making a movie, it has to be huge and promoted and collaborative and like it has hundreds of people working on it and millions of people watching it. Like it has to be Mm. kind of bloated out and like, you know, elaborated on in a really cinematic, like marketable way. But I would say overwrought is actually exactly the word I would use to describe it. I found like some sequences, I was like, oh man. (laughs) Like when he was smashing his guitar and like rocking it out and stuff, I was like, "Mm, this, I wouldn't do that if my fiance got raped and murdered. I don't think I would do this like cool performative gothy emo display of my sadness. I didn't buy that. (laughs) Yeah. I really do find The Crow a tricky one because there's something about reading that graphic novel that did feel quite real to me. And I guess just its translation is tricky because I guess it's because I naturally have, I I, I naturally feel quite, not repulsed, but what's the word? Like, uh, like, I get a bit of an ick from stories that are like, I am sad and depressing. And, right. Uh, I mean, my tortured that's like the most awkward so thing that- to all of us, I think, like self-indulgence or self-pity. Even if yeah. it's that warranted. Like his fiance died. Oh my God, right, whatever you want about it. But like, <laughs> no, yeah, but it, in general, it's very hard to make that watchable. Exactly. It's really hard to do that. And there's something about this movie that like, I've seen it before and I, like I've seen it a few times and I don't know why, like, even as I say that, I'm like, this kind of is the poster child of that. And yet there's a real world tragic element to it that just means when I watch it, I do kind of get the sense that it is actually selling me on this idea of like in a world of literal like hopelessness and like complete despair and complete bleakness. What if once, just once the 
a slight sliver of justice slipped through the crack and like the right thing was allowed to happen. But mm-hmm. as it moves into the more action territory, you lose yeah. sight of that more. I don't like know. once it's like, oh, there's actually a big bad, like beyond the people who raped and killed his wife, there's also like mobsters that he has to like go in and do a cool action scene and take him down. It's like, all right, man. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I it's just it's something that doesn't actually leave me feeling much. Like it isn't doesn't have much complex things to say, especially because the bad guys are just like reprehensible. Like they're literally just like yeah. inhuman. They're just like They're pretty barely- cartoony. Yeah, it's, and it is a pretty cartoony story. Like it literally is going to, you can guess how most of this goes. I think there's mm-hmm. just a, the way, like an imagery stylistic thing that works for me really well here. Hmm. It doesn't remind you of, you wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't steal a phone aesthetic oh, from that, like the 90s. Those ads are much more affecting than The Crow. Definitely. Oh. <laughs> Not like I pirate <laughs> now or anything. God. Yeah. Yeah, how bad? Those ads really didn't work on us, huh? They just didn't work at all. They just made it seem cool and edgy. and like. I was like, I want to be a bad boy. Oh, it's like stealing a TV. (laughs) I want to steal a TV. Okay, great. If I could steal a car as easily as I steal, like, a movie or a TV show episode offline, oh, my God, I would totally do it. Are you kidding? Um, I'd have, like, 400 cars. (laughs) I'm so interested by your thoughts on this movie, Eliza. Like, do you like this more uh, more than, like, a Tim Burton kind of thing? It's interesting you say Tim Burton because he's someone as well that always talks about like he was so alienated and hurt and like, you know, it comes across in stuff like Edward Scissorhands where it's like, oh, it's clearly your personal problems being made into a movie. Mm. I just found, uh, uh, yeah, I think I found I sound like I'm really in the telling of this. Yeah, I sound like no, I'm really like <laughs> lifting up this movie. Like I'm really like selling it, but I am kind of like, no, on this watch I did feel more more the sense of like yeah there's not much else to say here other than horrible things happen and other than and that like that's terrible and there's like Mm. a a bleak thing being said that's like okay I don't really get what I'm supposed to do with that but it has an action plot that kind of moves along well enough and I think Brandon Lee is gorgeous in it yeah (laughs) yeah I think his performance is like maybe it's just like the hair and the makeup and stuff but there's more than a few connections to like Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight, right? Where it's like yeah. part of, you really can't separate from the performance, the idea that they died afterwards. And it's like, oh, wow, seeing them be so vital and like really energetic and like playing a character who kind of is really nihilistic and like yeah. the bit where is in like this a movie, rumination on Lee, death as well yeah like, it's like it's he's been shot death. through the hand and he's yeah. like kind of acting like the joker and like goofing around and like looking at the bad guys through the hole in his hand the gunshot and stuff. oh yeah like yeah it's like yeah he, he's, he's great he does a really good job <laughs> he does yeah i guess i have i've been thinking a lot this year about i have more of a lens for like when stories are being told from a super male perspective or just generally story structures that you're like that's such a, a dude thing like i i have recently started having that with all of Hamilton where it's like all Aww. stories about like geniuses and men being like, I don't have enough yeah. time. My legacy. It's like, you never see women making stories about that because women know like life goes on and like <laughs> life is just what you make of it. You know what I mean? And the crow, Oh God, how traumatic it would be to lose your wife, like to a drunk driver and the anger and rage of that. But I do go like, this is just a piece of art 
made by someone who was hurt or that comes from a place like is based on someone who had an experience where they were just hurt and they made a piece of art that kind of is just them being like, the world is bleak and I'm angry. And uh, that is what this story is. And that's awesome. And I think it's still a great movie that I'll watch a lot more times, I'm sure. But I also do go like, I. it's more important that there are stories being like, how do you forgive or how do you move on? Or how do you understand that everybody- Something that actually a- offers like a solution, you mean? Yeah, or even just has something more difficult to say. Like, I assume you're angry about that. (laughs) I assume, exactly, pain. It's just a movie of like, I'm in pain, 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 pain. And I'm like, yeah, I I get that. But again, that this movie is just an action movie. It's like a John Wick kind of thing that you go like, like, did any part of you, Liz, go like, I wish the action was a bit more distinctive visually i feel like we're way better with that these days and being like action movies always have a very distinct style either it's very martial artsy or it's kind of that gun foo thing where it's like you use the guns or it's yeah that or something like it just distinguishes Mm. itself and this movie especially at the end i'm like oh wait we're using guns now oh cool we just haven't used guns yet you know what i mean it's like oh cool i I like it it just again doesn't stick out to me yeah i think I am like even a bit more harsh on this movie where like there was plenty of stuff where when it showed up, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's like a big trope in comic book things or action things or whatever. Like Ernie Hudson basically being like a Commissioner Gordon character who just kind of gets stuff explained to him. And there's like a, you know, heroin addicted mom that he saves. There's like a sassy street kid who's like, I remember where I was when I first saw the krill and blah, 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 and stuff like that, you know. And they even have one of my favorite 2000s tropes do you know this trope tv tropes Uh, calls it the one woman whale and it's when something sad happens and the soundtrack will be really quiet and they'll have audio of someone going we used to do that all the time oh my god that reminds me of do you remember that time well i think you might know what to talk about when we were in was in hawaii when you and me and we were in the water and we were talking Uh, about how in survivor the transition music's always like it's that sound yeah where it's like a really generic sound of a woman like doing some kind of way it was probably like people with a bit of time now i'm like it was also probably quite offensive of us to do it but literally we like stood in a circle and held hands (laughs) and were like let's do like like a ritual and we did like a weird circle thing and we were like whacking our heads into the water (laughs) and the beach was full of people like absolutely packed with people and we were just like wailing now those people have a fun memory to take back of the time they saw these children destroying themselves and screaming maybe maybe that was culturally Uh... insensitive well i didn't know in survivor is it a culture that's doing that singing i feel like it's just women wailing right i feel like it's in the survivor theme song or like it's in in everything in any movie if there's ever a transition to any place that is in america or europe it will be i feel like the nature of survivor is culturally insensitive like it's it yeah very true it's very much (laughs) like um trading in like ambiguous like, non-western cultures yeah, yeah. exactly. Sort of thing. Like and using that as like jungle. the aesthetic western like, jungle not western opposite with jungle yeah yeah yeah, yeah island like, ooh, yeah leaves and like <laughs> tiki and like what those torch Kotiki. things 
Isn't that yeah. what does Kentucky mean? Isn't that Kentucky is a tour group? Oh, the tours, of course. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm sure it has some larger cultural meaning. Exactly, I'm sure that, that has some cultural thing that's been stolen as well. Anyway, oh, that was us being stupid children for you all. I hope you enjoyed. And um, that. What kind of career do you reckon Brandon Lee would have had after this? Do you think he would have then just been in like superhero things and like cop things and um, TV shows and what? I can, I, I really can't gauge because it's interesting that like he doesn't have the martial arts ability or anything that his dad had, of course, but his presence feels equally, I think, quite like not arrogant, but there's this like larger than life thing that like when his eyes are really wide, you're like, yes, oh, this guy's I was crazy. Say the wide-eyed thing. It's so cool. It's so cool. I think. I think it suits, like, action. I think he'd do, like, really cool action. Like, yeah, maybe cop, like, kind of cop stuff or something. I'm trying to think what we were doing in, the in like, the late 90s, you know? What kind of he movie? Imagine like if he was The Matrix girl. or something. Like, he was handsome. Imagine if he was Neo. Yeah. I think he was, like, a Neo. That would be sick. Yeah. Oh, he would have been so great. It yeah. literally I was going to so say tragic. that as well. Like the um, wide-eyed thing. They both have moments like that in Into the Dragon and The Crow. There's a bit mm. where the character, the Lee character is a pacifist and they're resisting fighting and then it's like someone fucks with them just enough, or like punches them and their eyes go super huge. And they're like, ah! <laughs> and yeah. It's like, oh no, now they're going to take pleasure in hurting the bad guy. Literally. <laughs> like, yes! <laughs> yeah. And I think he does do a good job. Like, I think... Part of what maybe makes me be like, even though the element of like the oppressive sadness and whatever, through the span of this conversation, I've been like, actually, it is a bit too one-sided for me and is just kind of like bleak for bleakness's sake. I think it looks so incredible that that doesn't phase me as much. But I think Brandon Lee really distinguishes, distinguishes the character from just being pain. I think he actually gets through enough personality of this weird, you know, ghostly figure he still lets shine through some like larger than life elements some like i don't know you get a sense yeah as i said this like buggy eyed dude that's like really you know twitchy fingered or something and like volatile or something i quite like it mm. yeah i don't know i think man, we might that's... both have the same i think we both i think we do think the same movie is gonna win yeah shall we shall we compare the picks but i think we i think we know how we're going here yes Let's, Let's do, it. do it. So now we compare these two action films starring Ali, which both uh, were released under tragic circumstances. Um, I think an interesting one to talk about here, because I think why this is actually, I think, a pretty interesting pairing for an episode is there's a production legacy element to these films that has impacted their, like, you know, understanding culturally their cultural presence and like what you know where they stand and like the cultural you know what's the word in the cultural mind or whatever um yeah how do you feel about 
how justified that is for both of these films. Like, yeah. do, you, do you feel like they are more than just the final films of two, like, incredible actors who we should have gotten more work out of? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. Obviously, like, no film just stands alone without context and stuff. I think, do you agree with this? Do you think, like, The Crow is definitely... Um, uh, I guess associated with the like tragic death thing more. Like I guess because Enter the Dragon is just one of a few, um, one of the few movies Bruce Lee made. Whereas The Crow, I think, being specifically about death and sadness and grief, <laughs> like it's tragedy, scarier one way. As it you said, there's bears like a- that legacy more. I, th- that's what I mean, Rogue. Like yes, I know a movie stands on its own, but when you watch Enter the Dragon, you kind of just in awe of Bruce Lee's brilliance. With The Crow, there is, like, a taboo element to being, like... I I do think that, like, just, like, your personal experience and the life you live and the person you are will impact the way you watch a film, I think the external circumstances of the world do that as well. Like, sometimes an event happens in the world and then you watch a movie and the way that that thing is on your mind is impacting the way you're watching Mm -hmm. that movie. Like, um... You know, I, like I don't when know we watched Contagion at the beginning of this year. Contagion, perfect example. I was randomly thinking yeah. of um, when I, whenever I watch War of the Worlds and think about 9-11, like things like that where I'm like, if 9-11 hadn't happened, War of the Worlds, well, that movie wouldn't exist and wouldn't be the way it is. But I mean, like that impacts the way you look at a film. Mm. I think when you know that you're watching a movie about like a sliver of justice happening where, you know, this beautiful soul gets the chance to come back and avenge his girlfriend and his own death. But then behind the scenes, there was injustice. There was like a horrible random act of like just pointless, you know, death. Yeah. Sadness. It Mm. does affect the film. Like you do watch the film and it is on your mind the whole time, which does add to the experience of watching the film. I don't think we remember the crow as much otherwise, because don't you feel like, there's a lot of late 90s stuff that this is the staple of that like emo image thing. And I think stylistically I mean, there were it always other has that. Gothy superheroes before. Yeah, it gothy like stuff. the Tim Burton and the Joel Schumacher Batman movies were gothy like this. And then you had like Batman. Daredevil and Blade and stuff too. Yeah, After. exactly. I was also thinking just like imagery wise, something like The Craft also makes me think of this like era mm. and this like what kids were kind of watching and, even, and being like, yeah, like in culture, oh, that's like, cool. Like the 80s was a time of real optimism and sometimes really hollow optimism. And in the 90s, you have like old music and grunge and even like school shootings beginning to happen, like satanic panic kind of yeah. rising again. Like it's very zeitgeisty, this movie. Being totally. Like, I, I think the soundtrack has like the cure. Joy Division, Rage Against the Machine, like the most emo yeah. shit imaginable. Yeah, I guess, I guess actually now that I think about this, it's actually been an interesting chat because my thoughts have ebbed and flowed out. I, at first I felt like I really wanted to defend The Crow and then I sat a bit more in my like, no, it, it really is just, you know, pretty single-minded in what it's doing. But then I now also go, it's the staple goth movie like it's the one of all that imagery and that style and I think the movie does look gorgeous and I'm happy more than happy for this film to have the legacy it does as that one plot wise I go I think it's been really hurt by the fact that superhero movies are so huge now and this movie 
beat for it's beat for character for character for is exactly exactly it's like as you said it's all the staples everything that's been done before and all the things that have been done since in so many different ways but in terms of like iconography and imagery i love like 20 minutes into the movie i added to my little notes on my phone my i have like a costumes notes and i was like do the crow do oh. eric draven i think it'd be so Wait, fun okay after this can you read out all the costumes please Oh, I totally can. Yeah. You're going to laugh. Great. Some of them are so <laughs> unachievable. <laughs> yeah. That's good I'm... though. Another legacy thing of this movie. Did you notice in this movie, Brandon Lee's character, Eric Draven, he says, take your shot, fuck boy. Is this the first use of the term fuck boy? Oh, wow. <laughs> fuck boy. That's amazing. I mean, it's that's a pretty so obvious good. like term. I'm sure it was around before then. But oh my god, good I like for the to crow. think that that's part of his legacy on this earth. He left us with that term. That's very culturally significant. That's particularly Truly. in this. In yeah, this that's what we need. I, I love that. That's great. Thank oh, you. I love. What's and the also movie? another little. Did you know? Did yeah. you know? His stunt double was Chad Stahelski, director of the John Wick series. I did know that actually. Yeah, yeah. pretty crazy. Is he? Did you like the trailer for that new thing he's doing? Nobody. I think it's such a good idea. It looks cool. I mean, it's pretty much just John Wick again, right? But it looks good. I I, I, I bet the second half of the movie, I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I do like the idea of being like, what if we literally honed in on like the concept of like a nobody could be an assassin or mm. something? Like, I liked that initial imagery of him like not fighting and everyone being like, oh, he, you're so weak and you're not a man yeah, and stuff. And, him and like, like him punching snapping. a wall. That's quite fun. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty cool. But I bet the rest of it I'll be yeah. like, whatever. Anyway, little detour there. Um, you bringing up the fuckboy thing reminds me of, did we see a movie The Aster once where we kept on being like, why are they saying cheese dick so much? What's that? <laughs> Do, Do you remember that? what movie it was? No, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to look up movie with that cheese dick. That very 80s. Yeah, I bet it was. It's probably a movie horror thing, right? with lots of... Mm. of cheese i'm nervous for you <laughs> i'm Don't like oh. go on images <laughs> oh god it's oh it, i actually found it it's platoon <gasps> they say cheese dick so much in that movie oh the first thing that came up that. was a youtube video that is in all caps got cheese dick and it says hilarious <laughs> how to tell if a guy has cheese dick or not this video will I help need to watch that. you know whether or not you're dealing with a cheese dick boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Can that you send me so that, good. please? Yeah, I, need for, that I need to know. I must learn. Okay, great. Oh anyway, God. I am voting. I am voting for Into the Dragon. <laughs> um, yeah, I should me have said. Right. Yeah. Did you, Eliza, are you angry that I made you watch these films? Do you like them? Oh, Did I do bad? No, uh, no. I'm really glad I watched both of them. Aww. I will say, like, I don't I don't feel like the same way about the crow that you do. Um, I don't think it like the visuals to me aren't that exciting. Or I just think they're done better elsewhere, like Seven by David Fincher or whatever. I like, thought about Seven so is, much. I thought yeah, about Seven like, so much. This is an aesthetic yeah. that's very, very nineties. And at the moment it's really not cool. But um, like it's done better in like Nine Inch Nails music videos. It's done better in other places, I reckon. The um, Crow is a solid three stars for me. Yeah, I would say three stars is fair. Okay, But great. I would say, yeah, like you said, the real story behind it may- means it should be a cult classic. And like. Exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm I'm really glad I watched it, and I'm so glad I watched Enter the Dragon because I, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I love Enter yeah. the Dragon so much. <laughs> I love the bit where Bruce Lee he has a snake and he really easily captures a snake and puts it in a bag, and then he just wears the bag around for like 15 minutes, what like a it's guy. like this hot little accessory, and like makes it. He wears it so well. I'm like, I want it's, a snake bag. <laughs> so good. Cool. I, I, we forgot to talk about. Sorry, the hilarious justification for the fact that. He doesn't just have a gun and kill Han. Because the point being that they're like, you have to go onto this island and stuff. And Bruce Lee's like, why doesn't somebody just go up to him with a gun? Bang. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this dude is so funny. But also like, it's so funny that they were like, ah, oh, martial arts movie. We want him to be like James Bond. But then why wouldn't he just have a gun? Nobody <laughs> is allowed to bring anything onto the island. And then it's like, oh, but he also brings like gadgets and weapon and like other stuff on so it's like if you could sneak on other stuff why couldn't you just sneak on a gun like you would have been no. able to do it no so stupid. and also therefore on the first night his plan is to like sneak underground and try and find out stuff and like he's just beating up a bunch of dudes like they can fully see his face and then the next day it's like somebody was sneaking like, around right, last night and it's like <laughs> Your plan was very radical. You literally were like, nobody will see my face. And if they do, I'll just punch them and hope they don't remember me when they wake up. Anyway, oh, Enter the Dragon. We forgive him. You're the best. It's okay. We love you. Oh, such good stuff. We love, we love. Yeah. Okay. Shall we check in on our little triplet in the attic and see if he has yeah, a little Yeah, let's pro use on some shoulder? nunchucks and beat the shit out of our triplet in the attic. <laughs> Imagine we go upstairs <laughs> to check on the triplet in the attic and he's in white face paint with the black... The oh, black, no. um, like little star <laughs> thing, and he's in all black, and he's like, "I'm going through my emo phase." I'm like, "All right, buddy." Oh my god! <laughs> all right, hot, what do they call it? Hot topic. He's like, "I want to go to hot topic." <laughs> I love. Oh, let's go check on him. So Triplet in the Attic is a part of the show where we recommend a third piece of media. It could be literally anything that, you know, would be a great companion piece to today's Twin Picks. Eliza, what do you got for me? I wanted to pick something not sad um, because both movies uh, have very sad backstories that we have, you've gone into heaps of detail about today. Um, So I chose a song that is sung by... Bruce Lee's love interest in Enter the Dragon. And it's a cover of Nancy Sinatra's song, Bang Bang. And it's just called Bang Bang. And it's by Betty Chung. So it's all in Mandarin. And it has like this sick, like really 60s-y like arrangement with like weird keyboards and like a brass section and stuff. And it's so fun and funky. And she has a great voice. That's it. (laughs) That's great. That's a great recommendation. Mine today is I listened to an awesome podcast called This Is Not A Story About. Uh, And This Is Not A Story About is essentially a podcast where every episode they talk about somebody whose career or life is very similar to that of a famous person. And this episode was called This Is Not A Story About Bruce Lee. And they talk about this amazing martial artist called Alexander Fusheng, who has a very similar life in martial arts as a star to Bruce Lee in the sense that 
He was working really hard, establishing himself and his own fighting style, uh, but then tragically died really young before he could see the fruits of his labor. So mm. because of that podcast, I watched my, my actual Triple in the Attic, which is The Avenging Eagle, which is a really fun martial arts movie. Um, I just think for somebody looking to get into martial arts, it's a really good genre to kind of, I don't know, get you out of the funk of, you don't have this as much, Eliza, because you're awesome, but, like, I think a lot of people have more sort of thing of being like, I should go down the lists of the movies I should watch and these are all the things I have to watch. And something I've liked about martial arts movies is, like, it kind of just breaks you out of that funk and makes you be like, what do I want to watch? Like, what literally is just an actor that I'm interested in learning about or a director I'm interested in learning about, not because some, like, you know, collider video list told me to do it, you know, or because some, you know, uh, IMDB list told me to do it. I would never use an IMDB so you list. Mean like, but just because there isn't like that fussiness or elitism about there's no elitism in martial arts movies. You kind of feel freedom to watch whatever you want. Exactly, you just you're free to find whatever you want. You kind of just find your own path. You try out your own things. You kind of try something, and you're like, I don't really like that, and then you find your own thing and. I've been, you know, checking out a lot of forums and stuff and it's people kind of just like talking about random shit they've seen and then it just doesn't, it isn't like elitist. Like nobody's seen the same ones because there's so many. It isn't elitist battle angel. (laughs) (laughs) Great shit. Great stuff. Yeah, so The Avenging Eagle, uh, I like, it has a lot of versatile fighting styles. Like it has a lot of different weapons. It has cool like combo fights like I always love two people against one choreography that's always really cool um mm. it has a little bit of like Wu Zhang uh like tricks and stuff so Wu Zhang being like the Chinese Wuxia. fighting style that has uh, Wuxia sorry Wu Zhang uh Wuxia uh, sorry um like wire work and you know like flips and stuff like that like it has a little bit of that which is too much for some people but that's why i like the avenging angle as well because there's like only a little bit of it uh it is a wuxia film but uh i don't think it has it to such an extent that it's like overpowers the actual choreography yeah the avenging angle amazing wow anthony um how do you feel about like hearing about both of these films do you reckon you're going to check them out i feel like enter the dragon is very um uh, I think, as you say, like it's it's very much something that is probably on like a lot of people's lists and stuff. And mm. it's something that specifically through knowing you, I've been aware about for a very long time. So yeah. I feel like I definitely need to take it off at some point. But yeah. I had like essentially not heard of The Crow prior to this. In fact, I'd heard of um, Brandon Lee's death but not and not movie. The Crow. Like I didn't know what that movie was called. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was at that point on my radar. But um, it's truly like... You can get into really weird internet holes about mm. horrible things that have happened on production sets. Like, yeah, for sure. It's next level. The Twilight Zone, the movie one, is like, yeah. oh, that you know, is like, horrific. This is really morbid of me to say, but you know what's like the most recent like cursed production or whatever? No, what? Glee. Cats? Oh. Everyone in Glee is dying, dude. Oh, yeah, Glee Three is... of the actors in Glee have died. Oh, yeah, exactly. Have so you seen creepy. the picture that... <laughs> oh, my God, this man... Lock him up. Have you seen the picture that Matthew Morrison posted mm. of him? So he's in the ma- he's in the middle of the picture. To his left is Corey Monteith, and to his right is what's the guy that plays Noah Puckerman? Oh, that guy, Mark Salling. Mark Salling. Good for us. Wow. And the caption <laughs> of this picture is an angel 
a sad face and then an angel. Like, oh, right. dude, yeah, right like after he died, like right after he died clock. and using like Jeez. emojis. It's like, wait, oh, it's so bad. It really is oh. quite cringe. Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. Oh, you liked The Grinch oh, though, Matthew. didn't you? You had a great time. I just recently, yeah, watched Matthew Morrison in The Grinch TV thing and I thought he was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> he That's really good. If you've been on TikTok, really... it, it, it like tarnishes your opinion of him. I probably couldn't watch it objectively, you know? Yeah. I know he's awful. I know, I know. But he's an he, actually like probably, he... but I don't know. Mm. Might be a bit. I can't tell. Sorry, I keep on interrupting you. No, it's okay. I shouldn't talk more about the Grinch live. No, I actually, I'm genuinely asking you to tell me more about it. And I think our listeners would like to hear it as well. And if they don't, they can tell us. I actually am seriously asking you to tell me more about it. Oh my God. I think a thing that really impressed me about the Grinch musical, which is what it's called. It's not called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's called The Grinch Musical. Okay, good to know. (laughs) Um, It's actually very different to the Jim Carrey film. It has a very different visual style. The Grinch is a different kind of character. He's he's a very relatable guy. Um, Dennis O'Hare and Boo Boo Stewart are amazing in the dual role of Max the dog. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, incredible child talent. You can tell they just got people off Broadway rather than getting, like, cute famous people but that is not good that, that they Broadway do that the lives. Cute, no that is good with the lives other yeah. than when they're ones where it's like a tight like for example with rent where it's like the main cast is eight people and you do a bit more stunt casting generally mm-hmm. all those lives are like really talented people eliza yeah no part of me is joking right now i'm 100 asking you this seriously i am what? amused i'm laughing a bit but i would like to know your answer enter the dragon the crow the grinch musical oh my god which is your pick for this week? Oh, I mean, I'm not going to say the Grinch musical is better than Enter the Dragon, but <laughs> I think I think it may be better. I enjoyed it more than The Crow. It's my pick over The Crow. I think the I would never say The Grinch is better than either of them, but I had a better time Was it time your pick over Did you have a better time watching it than Enter the Dragon? Mm, oh you can say God. you did. What if I did? I know you have to. I think a you did. A better experience yeah maybe it was christmas because i was night. like extreme it was christmas night i was extremely tipsy i was watching it with max not the dog played by dennis o'hare and booby <laughs> stewart silly my partner max and um it was really funny watching because he hated it and was like really distressed by it but i loved it and that made it really fun for me <laughs> um oh. yeah maybe i did enjoy watching it more than into the dragon i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> You asked me. You made me this. You I did. I brought you to this point. Well, I guess uh, I guess that's well, where we have to leave it. Well, now you need to, to be it. punished. And, no, you need to read out your list of the costumes. Oh, <laughs> I do. I do. Okay, I'm going to read out the list Just of the quickly, costumes. Just quickly. Okay. We've... So my list of the costumes, I should preface, this is – I have a list of, like, costumes that I want to wear to parties and a list of costumes that I want to, like, do – a photo shoot of for my Instagram. Oh no. <laughs> because I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be really cute. Because I watch people model. I'm like, that looks like it'd be fun. So I'd like to do it just for myself, for my for my personal vibes. Great. Um and that list, so that's this list, okay? Are you ready? I'm only okay. gonna give you a few because I don't want to spoil it for people, okay? Bullet, <laughs> like Steve McQueen. Yeah. Um, the crow. Um, Jack from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, and like Johnny Depp in A Nightmare on Elm Street with the crop top. I reckon that'd be fun. Yes. But crop then my actual costumes, can I find my, uh, it has ash on, for actual like costume party vibe, like ash. 
I love. I this is such a dumb one that I would never do. I just wrote it down so I could look at it and be like, yeah, that would be cool in a world where I make things (laughs) that I don't. Is like a soldier from Starship Troopers. I really like that costume design. I think it's good. I'm taking Dars to see um, Starship Troopers at the Asta soon, and I'm really excited. Nice, great movie. Ah, well. I respect all those. Those are good ones. There you go. Thanks for respecting me. Imagine I'm like, and the okay. Grinch. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, good. I would look Horrifying. horrible in the Grinch costume. Okay. I think that's the point. Yeah, he is such a grump. Um, oh, I hope people don't mind that we ramble <laughs> on the podcast more. I enjoy it. Do you enjoy it? I have another thing to bring up about the Grinch if you would like to, or I can cut <laughs> it. I feel like I have to say it, it now. But then we got to wrap it up. Like, like I, I think it's fun to just ramble a little bit. Yeah, but they're probably I, like, I leave hope, me if alone. you're listening I wanna... to this, I hope you're okay with it. Like, I promise what are you waiting for? Just is... leave if you don't like it. Exactly. But... And I promise we won't do it as much other times. I just think this is quite funny. And I would just say what it to you anyway news. when we stop recording. Um, I saw a tweet talking about like how these days people on Twitter will like tweet out a, an opinion about a movie like it's really radical even though it's like the most obvious thing about the movie oh are you and there talking was one about, about people saying actually the Grinch is like the good guy and the who's the bad guys and yeah it's like, yeah the mo- that happens in the movie too that <laughs> is in the movie like that, that's a <laughs> huge part of the movie that's right there in the fucking thing what are you talking about it's like oh. having a take having just watched the trailer of the film yeah yeah absolutely yeah wow mm. well that's been the Twin Picks podcast for this week. We went all over. We went up and down, east and west. But alas, Tahuville we must say. And Hong Kong. <laughs> good. Oh good, 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 good. No. Well done. No, I liked it. Um, thank you for listening so much. And again, if we have any new listeners, it's great to have your kids stick around. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at twinpickspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Facebook or Instagram where, you know, you can tell us whether you enjoy Matthew Morrison as the Grinch or whether you want us to do a Grinch episode. Um, (gasps) What else do I have to say, Eliza? Oh, you have to tell them about Rough Cut. Yeah. If you guys are interested in reading more about film from people who know a lot about it and are really passionate about it, check out roughcutfilm.com. Glorious. And if you want to tune in for next week's episode, our double feature is, you know, it's another showdown of sorts, a bit like Bruce Lee v, you know, an entire tournament, but of a different kind, a cheer off and a a football off. A bend off. A bend off of (laughs) bend it like Beckham and bring it on, baby. Woo! Beautiful. Boy, oh boy. Bye. Bananas (laughs) and goodbye. Damn it, would have been better if I didn't do the (laughs) bananas. Okay, bye, see ya.